Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to parenting that kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers! Today's guest on Parenting That Kid is Nikki McGlynn, a neurodevelopment therapist and trainer who has worked as a therapist for over 20 years and has been working with neurodevelopment for the last 10 years. She has a special interest in working with trauma and relationships with retained primitive reflex in both adults and children who struggle with anxiety, focus, concentration, behavior issues, and reading and writing. You might recognize a few of those things because a lot of those traits show up in children with ADHD. Today, Nikki and I dive into what primitive reflexes truly are, how that comes about in a child or an adult with ADHD, and of course, as I ask all of my guests to share, Lots of tools, tips, and resources, as well as practical ways you can start making a change in your child's life today. Well, thank you, Nikki, for joining me today. I am really excited to learn from you because I, um, I'm going to play the dumb per- dumbfounded person. Like, what is this? What is primitive reflex? And how does this go into everybody's life? And then anybody with ADHD or neurodiverse um, symptoms that we might feel are normal for us or um, see as abnormal for others or ourselves as well, I guess. How does that all support each other so that the human body, human mind can, I I hate saying function normal because there's no normality, but maybe comfortably function comfortably in, in the world and surroundings that we are in. So thank you so much for joining me. Can you share a little bit about yourself and then what we're going to chat about today? So, um, so thank you so much for letting me come on. I really, really appreciate it. Um, my name's Nikki McGlynn. I'm British, as you can probably tell from my accent. I'm based just outside of London. I've been a therapist for 20 years or so. Um, I've been doing neurodevelopment specifically for about uh, probably about seven or eight years. I got into it because my daughter got a diagnosis of dyslexia when she was 12. And I was diagnosed when I was 40. And I didn't want her to have the same experience of school that I had. So I was looking for something specifically that would help her so that she didn't grow up feeling like she was stupid, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. And she's since been diagnosed with ADHD as well, which I don't think came as a shock to anybody. So, (laughs) um, so yes, so it's really, you know, I, I was looking for something specifically to help her. I was really blown away by this whole kind of, system that that nobody knows about and and you're saying about normal you know i've i've never met anybody who i would class as normal we all have our foibles and our ways of being and sometimes it's not a problem and sometimes it really interferes Mm -hmm. with how we live our life and i think the important thing about neurodevelopment and understanding about primitive reflexes is that is that there are things we can do that make life easier and and that's my real passion is that I see people struggle and they don't need to struggle as much 
and we can make life easier for them. So for, for you as an adult or for you as a parent and for your children, because when your children struggle, you as a parent struggle, you know, you do anything to try and make their lives easier, you know, and, and here is something that you can do. It's really simple. Understanding about primitive reflexes, I think, really makes a difference because because it explains why people do things the way they do them and why they can't do things, why they do do things. So just and then that changes the conversation. If you understand that people are, are operating from a place of of feeling unsafe in the world, then you you understand their behavior differently. If you understand that your child doesn't sit still because they can't, because that part of the brain, you know, being able to be still is a is a developmental process. So when you have a toddler, you it, you know, you're not bothered that they move all the time because that's what toddlers do. But if their brain doesn't develop enough for that part of that little tiny part of the brain to develop that allows them to be still, then they won't be still. Whatever age, whether they're whether they're six, seven, 18, 35, 55, you know, if you if you're married to somebody who sits there and has to move their feet the entire <laughs> time, you know, that can be really irritating. But they do it because because their brain won't allow them to be still. So when right. you understand it's a it's a it's a physiological thing, then you go, okay. So we find something else that's less irritating than somebody sitting there wobbling their foot the whole time, making the super <laughs> shake, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so you've talked about two different, you've talked about dyslexia, which can come hand in hand with ADHD, right? It's usually Absolutely. when you've got something, you've probably got a few other things on the same Absolutely. train with you. Absolutely. And then you have, um, which dyslexia isn't the movement action, but then you have what the typical ADHD with movement. And again, there's tons of ADHD types out there. So, um, that's just the classic that everybody kind of yeah. pings yeah. at. So when you say primary reflexes, in my head, I think, oh, back way back in the day, you know, where we were developed as cellulars, at forms coming into things and being animalistic type of beings in my head. But <clears throat> I'm not a professional at this. That's why I brought you on. <laughs> so if you don't mind sharing a little bit more with me on what exactly primitive reflexes are, maybe how it started, where it's how we've developed to learn more about it. I would love to okay. hear that. So, so uh, first of all, I absolutely agree. The the more I work with with people who are neurodiverse, the more obvious it becomes that that all of these conditions are a spectrum. So, autism is a spectrum which we accept, but so is ADHD, so is dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, and they all interlink. Mm-hmm. So I think the idea that, that that you have this category, this box and this box and this box, I don't think works. I don't think that works for people anyway, you know, and, and also depending on the stress and strain you're under in daily life can depend on how well you're able to deal with those things, you know, or, or mask, you know, mask mm-hmm. is a great mm-hmm. issue for kids at school and adults at work. So so that I think that's a really important thing to be aware of that is that is that neurodiverse is neurodiverse. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you just end up with this, you know, I see kids that have got this great big long list of 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 diagnoses, you know, all these three letter <laughs> ASD, PDD, you know, I mean it's just endless, endless, you know, and they're just kids who are struggling. So, right. so that's the first thing. 
But secondly, uh, so so primitive reflexes are movement patterns, and that's the really important thing. Primitive reflexes are, are reflexive movement patterns that all babies do all over the world, irrespective of colour, race, anything. We all do the same movements. They start in utero, they start during pregnancy, and they should all have integrated by about 18 months or so. Some reflexes integrate and go away. Some reflexes transform into into other reflexes. So we have primitive reflexes and transitional reflexes, which is a movement pattern that goes from one thing to another thing. And then we have postural reflexes, which are the things that stay around and keep us upright and stop us from falling over. (laughs) The important thing about primitive reflexes is that they integrate into our system and they lie dormant. So they don't disappear. Okay. They can be reactivated. So, so PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder can show as a reactivation of, of the Moro reflex, which is one of the fear reflexes and probably the only reflex that anybody's ever heard of, you know, a car accident that, that gives you whiplash can reactivate your neck reflexes. So it's really important to be aware that, that, that although they, they integrate into your central nervous system and disappear, they're still there because it's about survival. You know, we are wired for survival. Primitive oh. reflexes are part of that survival process. Oh, so interesting that it's not gone. It's just asleep almost just until asleep. you reactivate it. In case we need it, you know? Yeah. Okay. And so, well, I mean, you make a great point. So there's the spectrum of so many different things. all short letters that we have now combined them into. Um, And then we reactivate them. And the more reflexes one that I I know as a nurse, I've spent many, many years as a nurse and in newborns, the NICU and all that. So we check, you check for all those reflexes. How does a reflex though, in my head, I think of my time period working with these babies and the reflex are all physical things we were checking for, right? You put their little bodies this and they go their hands go up or you remember the best thing every mama loves is when they would put their fingers in their little one's hands and their hands would naturally just curl around those fingers and hold tight so those are all physical right isn't that and I remember testing my babies oh they still have that oh good okay like in my head I wanted them to have that because that's holding on to but you also do want it to (laughs) to disappear or to go to sleep how does that show up though in somebody who um for the movement side, maybe it didn't go away, so it's showing up as this constant fidgety, but I don't see that in babies. I mean, they do move a lot, but I don't feel like that we call that a type of reflex, like, oh, that baby's moving, it's this reflex. So how does that show up as a because, child moving? And how do you call, what, do you, what would you call that kind of thing? Okay, Be- because, because retained reflexes all have and all have an uh, an impact on how we function. Mm-hmm. So if you are, so reflex is something you have no control over. Right. So if you have a reflex that's still active, it means that you then don't have the control over your body mm-hmm. and your mind that mm-hmm. you should have if that reflex had integrated. So, so that, that need to constantly move that we see in ADHD mm-hmm. is a, is, is the a part of the limbic system uh, basal ganglia hasn't connected properly and that's associated with a reflex called the spinal gallant reflex okay which is a reflex that's involved in birthing let me get my baby (laughs) 
he's my he's my emergency baby. <laughs> okay. So, so and the spinal gland reflex runs down either side of the lower spine. Okay. okay. So when a baby's being coming down the birth canal right. and and the and the birth canal is is pressing on that part, then hmm. what happens is the baby's sorry baby, but the baby's <laughs> hip and shoulder move towards each other. Right. And allows it to wriggle. So if you imagine it's doing this down the birth canal, it helps mm-hmm. to wriggle down the birth canal and, and be born. And a, a lot of reflexes are associated with the birthing process. Mm-hmm. So if you're so if that reflex remains active here, mm-hmm. then then that then has an impact on being able to control your spine. So and you can have these reflexes retained both sides or just one side or the other. So okay. if it's retained on one side, for instance, then that can then have an impact on spinal mobility. And then it can then contribute towards things like scoliosis and a deviation of the spine. Also, if this reflex, if you, if, if you have a retained spinal gland reflex and you stroke down here, Uh don't ever do both sides together because it can cause the bladder to release. But if you stroke down here, then what happens is that hip will kick out because it's irritating so if you have this part of your back is constantly irritated by touch, then wearing something around your waist can be really irritating. So you wear things either very low, so mm-hmm. kids with their trousers around their hips, or really high, so you're avoiding this part. It also makes it really uncomfortable to sit with your back against the chair. So if you think of those kind of difficult teenagers... Wow who've got their jeans around their hips, they're slumped forwards on their chair, yeah. so their back's not touching their chair, they're rocking because they can't sit still, you know, and that happens, they get sent out of the class or they get into yeah. trouble because, and, and that's all because of that reflex. It also interferes with your ability to listen because in utero, your spine conducts sound up to your mm-hmm. brain before your ears are working. So if that reflex is still active, then then your spine is still trying to conduct sound up to your brain along with your ears. So then auditory processing becomes really difficult or noises behind you are super distracting, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and listening becomes difficult because you become overwhelmed. So I have parents who bring kids who go, well, we've had his hearing check, but he won't listen. Well, no, he won't listen because he's turning it off because it's mm-hmm. too much input. So there's masses of, 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 you know, and and there's you know there's there's a whole long list of things that impact just because that reflex is still active. Wow, wow, you just blew my mind because in my head I'm just going, oh, this and that, and this person, yep, 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 I've seen. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I have two questions. One, okay, <clears throat> occupational therapy. Many yep. children, and I'm not sure about over where you're where you live, but here in, in the states, and especially where I live, many children attend occupational therapy. My children did, and. <laughs> and I'm thinking of sensory struggles, right? You just talked about your jeans or your pants sitting right at that level or sitting in your back against the chair right there. That can feel really uncomfortable, almost painful. So children go to occupational therapy for sensory. Then you talked about auditory. Um, I remember sitting in the waiting room. There was a little boy there that was, his mom was mentioning he was there for auditory. Oh, he can hear. I mean, his ears are fine. And um, so listen. that would be, yeah, yeah, it's right. It's hearing and listening are very different things. I tell my yeah. children all the time. <laughs> you, yeah. I know you can hear me, but listening might not be happening. So then is that an option to support children with this? Or does there need to be more in-depth that maybe we don't know about or we are not incorporating with the um, occupational therapy? 
So occupational therapy is amazing, amazing. You know, I know some amazing, amazing occupational therapists, and it does, and it makes such a difference to kids. My experience here is that often occupational therapy doesn't start developmentally early enough. Mm, okay. So, so the thing about looking at primitive reflexes, particularly and movement programs to integrate primitive reflexes, and I use primarily a system called rhythmic movement training, which uses rhythm, mm-hmm. um, is that it is that it addresses what goes on in the brain in utero and that those very early months post-delivery whereas occupational therapy tends to start a bit later on developmentally so if you have if you have sensory processing issues sensory input is processed through the brain stem which is the earliest part of the brain to develop you know it's the only part of the brain that's that's developed at, at birth so so that's the part of the brain we need to work on so, and you work on developing the brainstem by using passive movements. Mm-hmm. So you don't move, you lie there and somebody moves you and that helps to stimulate the brainstem. So if you're looking at, at working with sensory stuff, that's what you need to do. You need to move passively. You need to move passively in a way that is relaxing and not irritating because if you have sensory processing issues, then you need to find a way to move that doesn't then upset that. Or if you have... Um, vestibular issues so if your balance system isn't working well you know and that we see that a lot in kids you know that their their vestibular system hasn't matured properly so if you're rocking them up and down which is one of the movements we do and their head is moving then that can be massively uh-huh. upsetting because because this system isn't working well and in the vestibular system develops neutro so that's really the point mm. you need to be working at with with a lot of these children is is what went on in pregnancy and what went on immediately after delivery so okay so some when they're newborns you start working through this absolutely how would you know yeah that some newborn little bitty is going to need this type of support or is this just all around um i think so what so the newborns i tend to see who come to me or, you know, the sort of babies that I see who come to me for help tend to be babies that have had a, a tricky birth that we know about. So, mm-hmm. you know, so they they look like they uh, have a diagnosis of cerebral palsy or something like that. Okay. So then so then we look at that. But then I would say to people who have, who have had a tricky birth, so not many people now have a kind of eight-hour labour. You know, we see people who have really, really long labours or really protracted labours or or a labour where uh, there's an assisted delivery, so bontus or forceps or they have a section, a caesarean section planned or emergency. So, or a very, very rapid delivery. You know, my daughter mm-hmm. was born an hour and 15 minutes start to finish. So there's no time for those reflexes to be able to activate and do their job. So, So any baby really who's been through an atypical birth would benefit from from an understanding of this kind of process but things like baby massage will often help that you know baby massage putting babies on their tummies you know one of the biggest issues we have now is babies spend all their times on their backs 
And we talk about tummy time. Well, they haven't had tummy time. Well, babies should be on their tummies. That's, <laughs> that's where they should be. You know, they feel right. safer when their tummies are covered. It helps calm down that moral response. It helps development of their eyes and their ears and their necks. So, so, so babies need to be either on their tummies or, or in a forward facing sling, you know, so they're facing into you because that mimics being on their tummy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, or lying on their tummy on you, you know, all of that stuff is is great. But you know, that's really how we can help babies to to develop naturally. Okay. Well, well. So you just answered one of my questions. I thought, well, what about C-section babies? They just don't get that chance. And yeah. <clears throat> in my years in nursing, I would, like I mentioned, I was in the NICU and I postpartum, and I've, you know, maternity was my thing my yeah. specialty. And so I know quite a bit about the importance of the birth canal and all that comes along with that for the mother and the baby. Um, yeah. But those babies, some babies don't get that chance or they are rushed out really fast for medical reasons that are, yeah. you know, many times necessary. Yeah. Those but I think this is then. the important thing about, about the understanding of the, these things are the issues and these are what we can do to make it better. So, so seeing a cranial osteopath or a cranial sacral therapist or somebody mm-hmm. who can do that kind of manipulation it, it makes a massive difference. Okay. Baby massage makes a massive difference. Holding your baby, walking with your baby, you know, movement. The the, the key to the key to brain development is movement, movement, mm-hmm. movement, movement. So if you put your baby in a sling and wear your baby as much as possible, then then that will that will also make a big difference in 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 how how that development goes. You know, there and and they're also a baby in a sling on your chest will still feel and hear your heartbeat and the rhythm of you walking and moving. So it, you know, it, it's comforting and it's, and it's helpful. Hmm. So. Wow. Wear your baby. <laughs> wear your baby. <laughs> I, yes, absolutely. Wear your baby. Okay. So ADHD is the typical bouncing, moving, can't sit still, which is it, I, the majority of people think about that when they think of ADHD, but focus is so big. And that is, um, people will say it's because they're moving and stuff. And then that's not always the case. Some are just off in dreamland somewhere and it's not, they're not moving at all. So how does this work with the focus? They need to move to be able to focus. Correct. So if you say to, if you say to a child, so, so in, in the UK, we, we don't have ADD as a diagnosis. We have ADHD Mm -hmm. and you can have ADHD inattentive, Mm -hmm. ADHD hyperactive or ADHD combined, Mm -hmm. which means you have a bit of both. But if you have a child who's got ADHD hyperactive or in fact inattentive, and you say to that child, right, you need to, you need to sit down and sit still and pay attention. They'll sit down and they'll sit still and their whole focus will be on sitting down and sitting still. (laughs) There's no space for learning because everything (laughs) is about being still. Whereas if that child can fidget, stand up, you know, have fidget toys or have a band, you know, I'm a big fan of a band at the... Oh, yeah, we've got those everywhere. They can bounce their feet on, you know, or a wobble cushion. Mm-hmm. If they can move, then they'll be able to concentrate. But so yeah, I mean... stimulating that, whole... that reflex? Sorry? Is that stimulating that reflex then? So that the signal because, is now running through the, the body? Reflex, no, because the reflex is active, therefore they can't sit still. So what you need to do is integrate that reflex. Oh, I see. And okay. then that allows the brain to develop and then they can be still. Okay, I see. And then they can so, so there's two ways, you know, there's, 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 there's dealing with the symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a retained spinal gland reflex, therefore I must move. Okay, sit on a wobble cushion, have a fidget toy, stand up, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
and I have attained, retained spinal gland reflex, I need to integrate that reflex. Mm-hmm. So, and the, and then you, the way, and essentially really the best way of integrating reflexes is, is movement. So whether it's, whether it's rhythmic movement training or MNRI or brain balance or, or, um, Institute of Human Potential or mm-hmm. Family Hope Center, you know, all of these people have different movement programs that help those reflexes to integrate. So it's just finding whoever's local or whatever works for you. So that would be something to do with children that are older, right? You're beyond the newborn stage where you can do all these micro focus, right? Now this yeah. child is bigger and so much yeah. more going on in their lives. So going to yeah. those types of places can yeah. help integrate those, you know, yeah. you kind of lost yeah. a few years, but now you're in movement yeah. to get, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And often these things don't really show up until they're at school. You know, because right. you go, you know, my perfect baby, who I love and who loves me, and they're just active, you know, or they're right. just, you know, that's just how they are. Or their dad was like that. You know, I hear that all the time. <laughs> oh, well, their dad was like that. Oh, I was like that. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And was your life easy? Or, you know, and, and I think also children now seem to exhibit worse symptoms than parents. You know, I can see, I can see my mum wasn't great with maths. I was terrible you know I'm dyscalculic I can't do numbers at all and I have problems with processing and Mm -hmm. you know my room's a mess you can see that so you know that's all dyslexic stuff you know and then my daughter's a little bit worse because of now how we raise our children so Mm -hmm. right that has an impact on on function interesting yeah so how does this incorporate into dyslexia do you mind speaking a little bit to that because there's not movement is not a dyslexic type of thing and it is all about processing the information that comes in right dyslexics see the information differently process it differently and it generally comes out really super cool but it may not be what we're needing it to be how does that integrate you know growing up you know i grew up dyslexic dyscalculic thinking i was stupid yeah yeah, you know and 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 those same issues you know with 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 people who grow up with adhd and, and autism you know, you have that thing where you don't quite fit. Right. People right. don't understand you. You don't understand other people. You know, it's like you, you're you not, you're in the wrong tribe. Mm-hmm. And 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 I couldn't, you know, I'm, all my friends were in the top group for everything. You know, I'm clearly can talk, but I really struggled with getting my ideas on paper. I could spell, mm-hmm. you know, nothing wrong with my spelling, nothing wrong with my grammar. But actually getting that information out was really hard. I could verbalize it, but mm-hmm. I couldn't write it. So, you know, and and the and because then all of these neurodiverse things interlock, you know, you if you're struggling with all the self-esteem issues and rejection sensitivity of ADHD, and then on top of that you are a bit dyslexic or a bit dyspraxic or a bit dyscalculic, it just compounds those issues. Mm. So and, and dyslexia, dyspraxia, and dyscalculia are all are all neck reflex issues. So um three neck reflexes there's this one i'm not even going to go into the names because they're really long okay okay Okay. so there's this neck reflex which in babies it's and again that's to do with being in the womb and being forwards and being born and coming out so and um and in babies if you've it's the reflex that when you go to put a baby in the car seat and they arch backwards and you can't get them in and you think they're being (laughs) awkward but actually what's happened is that their head has moved beyond this midline, you know, because you've got midline down the middle and you've got a midline down your side. So when the head moves beyond this midline, if it moves forwards, you collapse. If it moves backwards, you hyperextend, okay? Okay. So 
So then you've got kids at school who go to do their work and they slump on their desk, you know, kids who lie on their desk right. to write, you know, and they sit up straight, tuck your shirt, you know, and again, you sit up straight, can't write anything now because the only way you can write as soon as your head goes forward, you want to collapse. So there's that reflex, there's this reflex, which when you move your head beyond this central midline, mm -hmm. this arm wants to extend, this leg wants to extend, which I can't show you. And the opposite arm comes in and the opposite leg comes in. So it's like the, they call the fence position. Okay. So then what happens as you get older, if you move your head to the side, so that causes lots of problems with left and right, hmm. okay, and, and symmetry within the body. But it means that when you head, turn your head to the side, the side that you turned your head to, this arm wants to extend. So if you're trying to write, as mm -hmm. soon as you get your head beyond that midline point, your arm wants to go out. So you have to then turn the page round and write uphill so uh -huh. that you're staying in one plane. Okay? Mm -hmm. But you see it in adults who drive and they go to look at their sat-nav or, or behind them. And what happens is wherever they turn the head, the arm wants to extend and this arm comes in. So they swerve the car. <laughs> you know, she, what are you doing? <laughs> so, you know, and then there's a third neck reflex, which, which is actually in your core. So, and that's to do with crawling. So babies who mm -hmm. don't crawl, mm -hmm. often it's because their neck reflexes are, are, are still active. So, and this then interferes with processing in the prefrontal cortex. So being able to organize your thoughts, get to places on time, spatial awareness, all of those things are all to do with those neck reflexes. Wow. And so and that, you know, that so people initial with really bad handwriting. Oh, yeah. Because this reflex is. Because is... turning your head that direct, those directions, your, yeah. your brain is you not. You have working. to hold your hand. You know, your writing comes from the shoulder. Right. So, you know, so if, if every time you turn your head, your arm wants to ping out, you have to hold your arm in really tight to be able to write. And then you get this kind of, my son has this reflex. Uh, he doesn't really have any problems, but you know, so, so that's a really good example. He's got a degree and everything, no issues, but his handwriting looks like a cardiac trace <laughs> because he has to hold his arm in so tight. There's no, there's no room for being cursed. Right. It's, it's up and down so that this, his arm doesn't go out while he's writing. Okay. Wow. So that comes from Isn't the birth canal. I mean, it's, I'm just, You've blown my mind because now I can just think of so many things and going, oh, that, oh, and it all, it all makes so much sense. You're piecing together things I have noticed in my own children and in other children. And, and you go, well, something's got to be off and I don't know what it is, but you're piecing it all together for me. Exactly, makes exactly. And then so, much makes sense. Sense. so this reflex makes you scared of going downhill. Wait, not like the one where you nod your head. It makes you, you nod your head. So you're because not. If you put your head forwards. Right. And your body wants to collapse. Oh. If you're going to go downstairs and you look to go downstairs, your body wants to collapse. So you, so it's like, oh my god! I'm go if I walk down these stairs, I'm going to fall. Fall. If I go down this hill, I'll fall. Huh. Okay. Well, I know I have reason to not like roller coasters, and I'll be sharing that with everybody who tries to convince me <laughs> because they always do. I'm like, no, you go down that thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. But that reflex is developed through the birth canal. Right? So you've uh, shown that. Kind of arching. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so 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 the, the so this this reflex is it's part of being in the womb. This mm -hmm. one. Right, you're in the ball. This the one ball. is about being born. This yeah. one is about as you turn your head to emerge. Yeah. So 
And if you don't get that option, the opportunity option, that opportunity when you're C-sectioned out, I can completely see how that it's just not integrated into your body yet. No. So, okay. And also reflexes develop sequentially. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they don't kind of go this, then this, then this, then Mm -hmm. this, because, because that's not how any of us develop anything, but they kind of go fear reflexes, spinal reflexes, neck reflexes. Okay. Okay. But the fear reflexes, which is the fear paralysis reflex, which we haven't talked about, and the moral reflex, which we've touched on, Mm -hmm. if they're still active, nothing else can integrate. Mm -hmm. So, so they kind of act as a gateway. So, so the, 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 the primary reflex I see when people come for an appointment is that they have retained fear reflexes because they'll just stuff everything up. Can you speak more to the fear reflex? How does that present in one's life? So the fit, so, or so the, and these are really big. So particularly now where we have so many people who are struggling with anxiety, social anxiety, Mm -hmm. not just because of the pandemic, but I think the pandemic has in some ways really highlighted it. Mm -hmm. So you have the fear paralysis reflex which is present possibly from conception, but certainly from the point where you're, where you're a little fetus with arm and leg buds mm-hmm. moving and the moro reflex and the fear paralysis reflex kind of morphs into the moro reflex and they run parallel for a bit. And sometimes I see people who have both of those reflexes active and they can split between the two. Mm-hmm. So the fear paralysis reflex shuts down your system Okay, so, and the moro reflex activates your system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I forgot what I was going to say. I was just going to say something really important, and it's falling out my head. Anyway, so the fear paralysis reflex, if you, that's still active for you, then anything that you need to do that makes you feel anxious, and what I was going to say, which fell out my head, is the important thing about the fear reflexes is that they don't necessarily make you frightened, but they will stop you from feeling safe. Okay. Okay. So that's really important because then that means you have somebody who whatever they do, whatever you do as a parent, whatever you do as an adult, you essentially feel unsafe in the world. Okay. So you're living your life with that sense all the time that you're not safe. Mm-hmm. Even at home, you don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then sometimes we externalize that and try and do things to make ourselves feel safe. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe because mm. I haven't checked the taps turned off. I haven't checked the cookers turned off. I haven't checked the front door shut. I'll check the front door shut. I'll check the front door shut. I'll check the front door shut. But it's an internal problem that we then try to make an external solution to. So fear paralysis reflex, because it shuts down the system, you then get children and adults, but we'll talk about children first, who who have issues like selective mutism because they can't speak, because they're anxious, they're put on the spot, they can't speak. But we also get children who are really, really, really good. There's children who are really good, who don't want to do anything wrong because they don't want to draw attention to themselves because as soon as they've got attention on themselves, it makes their system freeze. so if you go right back to to babies to tiny babies these are the babies who when they cry and you pick them up and rock them to try and make them feel better they cry more 
because because they they want to be still because they they have an active fear paralysis so the fear paralysis shuts down their systems they want to be still you come along mum go oh there there baby i'll make you feel better worst thing in the world whereas moral reflex it's two parts to the moral reflex there's that <gasps> startle mm-hmm. okay but then there's also the clinging and crying stage so sometimes fear paralysis and the second stage of moral can look similar because they're both about clinging on and look after me and make me feel safe but fear paralysis will shut down your system and it's associated with all kinds of kind of autoimmune things allergies um hmm. All of those, you know, and, and lots of anxiety problems, agoraphobia, OCD, all of those kind of things. And the moro reflex, which is more associated with things like fight flight. So if you've got a child who runs away, moro reflex. If you've got a child who's argumentative and gets in fights, it's moro reflex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, because that's the space they're living in. And it comes from the fact that they don't feel safe. So if you're under threat, you have an active moral reflex and you feel somebody somebody looks at you funny, you'll fight them because, because that's activating that reflex. Right. right. Wow. <clears throat> hmm. So if they're running hand in hand, you can almost have like this up and down, up and down, and that in itself would cause anxiety, this constant yeah. imbalance between the two yeah. that are so you can have so you can have fear paralysis reflex shut down my system i'll be i'm at school i'll be really good because i don't want to draw attention to myself go home mm-hmm. flip into the morrow state yeah <sighs> or you can have somebody who fear paralysis is okay but they live in morrow so at school they're fighty fighting they come home and they're like oh mummy mummy right right they need a connection that yeah that safety net interesting yeah. Wow. How... So then you see it in adults. Yeah. So, so how does this show in adults? So people who, so so people, particularly people at work, say, who who just get on everybody's nerves. You know, they get cross because you've moved their desk or you've opened the window or, you know, you've done something different. Because they don't feel safe, mm-hmm. they, have to, they have to control their environment. So if you do something to upset their environment, then that immediately makes them feel unsafe. So they have to do things to try and make themselves feel safe. Or the people who, you know, who who become unnecessarily aggressive, you know, because you've said the wrong thing or the tone of voice or whatever. And these reflexes are really closely, are closely associated with the vagal system. Mm. So if you know about the vagus nerve, because mm. that's all fight, flight, freeze, mm. flop, fawn, then you can see how those interact. So because, because the, the vagus nerve you know, it's all about being able to read faces. So if your moro reflex is, is overactive, mm-hmm. then what somebody's, you know, somebody's smiling at you and you don't see it as a smile, you see it as a, as a, as a grimace or as an attack. You misinterpret the information that you're seeing. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That is so amazing to me that there's – I, I mean, I'm a believer in what we – utero is so important like that and that birth and that whole that whole time of your life is so important but i didn't realize that the integration of the reflexes and how that showed and displayed itself differently as you're older as you continue to grow right you've got the newborns and you've got these kids and then you've got an adult and how those are still so important it just it all still aligns yeah 
Wow. Yeah. So, so you know, I have great. Yeah. Sorry. No, so no, I, go ahead. I, I have adults who come, you know, who, I see a lot of adults who, who have anxiety issues, a lot of adults. So, so there's that big crossover with ADHD and complex trauma mm-hmm. where, where complex trauma can look exactly the same as ADHD. So, you know, so actually what we're looking at dealing with is, is the trauma, but you mm-hmm. can be looking at dealing with birth trauma that somebody's not even aware of as being trauma, but, but these are the symptoms that, that show. So this is how, this is how we need to address it. How would you suggest somebody go about um, maybe looking into more of this for their child, for themselves? I mean, I would say, you know, go and, because obviously I'm in the UK, so you're not going to come over and see me over here. But <laughs> <Really I'll, good. laughs> be my guest. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of people. The, the majority of reflex work seems to be focused on children, okay. you know, but there are still plenty of people out there who who will work with adults, you know, and and understand. And this is why it's so important to me to be doing these kind of podcasts because then if if anybody's watching who's a who's a psychotherapist or a counselor or a psychiatrist or works with people with mental health issues, who hears this and kind of goes, oh, okay, maybe this is another way of looking at it, is because because understanding just understanding reflexes and the impact they have on your system can really unlock a lot of the a lot of the trauma work that's being done at the moment you know the, mm-hmm. the, there's a lot of somatic trauma work being done so internal family systems and somatic experiencing and somatic psychotherapy and all the work that Bessel van der Kolk's doing and and yoga for trauma and all of this stuff is so mm-hmm. important because trauma is stored physically in your body right. but if your primitive reflexes are still active and nobody's addressing those reflexes, mm-hmm. then you're only ever going to go so far. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important that we that we get this understanding of reflexes and how they affect adults and how they underpin conditions that we see like OCD and social anxiety and 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 all of those trauma related conditions that actually sometimes what we also need to look at is the is the reflex. Uh, the, the active reflexes and how they have, they affect people. Can you work simultaneously with the reflexes in other areas, or is it oh, God, really yeah, to address this first and then go absolutely. on? Absolutely, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Okay. You know, because it's movement, step. it's movement patterns. So if if we can address those through movement, it doesn't matter what else you do. You can, okay. you can, you know. I mean, it works beautifully. Okay. You know, even with things like EMDR, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because neck people... reflexes are all all associated with eye control. Ah, right, right, yes. So, yeah. so <laughs> you know, people I see, kids who have problems with tracking. Mm-hmm. You know, this happened to my daughter. We went and saw a behavioural ophthalmologist who gave her eye exercises to do. She couldn't do the eye exercises because her neck reflexes needed mm-hmm. to work. So, when we look at what was going on with the neck reflexes, then then she's got more control over her eyes. And then she could do this. Interesting. Okay. How would people find somebody local to them or more information on supporting themselves or even just researching and learning more about this? So, um, so in the States, there's, there's, there's lots. So um, probably the easiest way to find somebody is, is good old Facebook, you know, local Facebook groups, you know, who have you used? You can put on a Facebook group. Does anybody know about primitive reflexes? And hopefully somebody will pop up and go, oh, yes, mm-hmm. you know, or, or or have a look. If you know what you're looking for. So if you look up, if you Google, you know, somebody who works with primitive reflexes, primitive reflex integration, then then 
you'll find somebody local. Okay. Um, so, so I primarily use a system called rhythmic movement training. Okay. Okay. So, so that will pop up. Um, Dr. Robert Malelio does brain balance. So, um, he wrote a book called Disconnected Kids. He's doing some really exciting, big research at the moment. So, so what he does is great. Um, there is another system called MNRI, which a lot of chiropractors use, which okay. is Muscatova Neurological something or other. <laughs> but if you Google MNRI, that comes up, or MNRI primitive reflexes, that comes up. That's more about so so rhythmic movement is about rhythmic movement. Um, Robert Malelio's work is uh, mostly about repatterning the reflex patterns. Okay. So so doing the starfish mm-hmm. for the Moro reflex. Um, MNRI uses a lot of um, uh, muscle resistance. Okay. So so that that is more than something that you'll go and see somebody to do. Okay. So uh, Robert Malelio's work, IMPP in this country, Family Hope Centre and Institute for Human Potential over in the States. Um they will use a similar kind of approach that you do at home and, and rhythmic movement training is something that you, that you would do at home. So you'd see a consultant who would go, I suggest you do this movement and then you do it at home. And there's, there's loads on the internet. You just need to be with everything, isn't it? With everything on the internet, you just need to be a bit careful, but you know, but it's movement. So, so, and, and really if you take on board the fact that movement develops the brain, mm-hmm. rhythmic movement works better dancing martial arts swimming racket sports playing a musical instrument all of those things will help you know which is why they did research on on tea dances for dementia you know that's why tea dances for dementia is really effective because it's 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 social so then you're more relaxed it's rhythmic and it's repeated patterns and that helps you know, because you, you can develop your brain at any age, you know, from, yeah. from birth to death. Brain is plastic, grow new neural pathways, grow new brain cells all the time. But the way to do it is movement. Yoga, I like that. Parties, doesn't matter. But, you know, there's move. all different yeah. ways to do this and it helps all across the board. All across I love the board. that. I love yeah. that. And that's, you know, as a parent, and you probably can speak to this with some other child who you've had to work with throughout the years, it's integrating something new or going somewhere else. It's just like, oh, no, it's one more. And, and you'll do it because you love your child and you want to give your child the best. But it can get overwhelming when you've Absolutely. got some sort of new rhythm or a new pattern or whatever. But if this is the movement, which you can do anywhere, anywhere is is the quote unquote answer or the one of the support systems that your child needs, it's such a simple little shift that you can add to your day and it doesn't feel heavy and like a big burden to get start this new process of things yeah and things like you know the things that kids do naturally before the days of ipads you know (laughs) but but rolling down hills rolling down a hill log rolls downhill incredible for brain development incredible for brain development okay spinning is really great for your vestibular system Mm -hmm. it really helps your your ear development because you know and your eye development and all that proprioceptive pressure on your body, mm-hmm. you know, to where am I? You know, I see a lot of kids who, who, who don't know where they are in space. That's another reason for fidgeting. If you don't know where you start and finish, you tap, <laughs> tap, tap, tap. Oh, that's where my hand is. That's where my foot is. That's where my leg is, you know, because, yeah. because your brain doesn't know. So, yeah, going to the park. 
because now I don't know about over there, but here our parks have become super safe. You know, mm-hmm. you can't you can't spin around on a roundabout <laughs> that you can go flying off anymore. Right, they took the metal really wheel good. off. <laughs> They're really, you know swings roundabouts, and the thing about roundabouts and swings that's really good is you can work in different planes. So mm-hmm. remember we said at the beginning, your vestibular system, your balance system develops in neutro. It's the system that everything else hangs on. So it's really important that that's working well. So get your kids down the park, put them on the roundabout, make them sit, make them stand, make them lie, make them lie with their head hanging down, make them lie on their tummy, lie on their back. All different planes helps the brain to develop. Put them on a swing, make them swing, make them lie on the swing, make them lie on their swing on their tummy, spin them round on the swing, you know, so it unspins. Yeah. All of that stuff. All of those. Okay. Well, so those are some great tips. I was just going to ask, can you give me some more ways that people can start integrating this, but you just did. And, and now I'm thinking, Oh, I think our park is the only one left with a spinny thing only because it's an old neighborhood and nobody's gone to remove it yet, but that's okay. So if people don't have that ability, or if you're just in your house, do you have other ideas yeah. or tips that people can start using today? So, well, uh, you know, if you've got, if you've got an office chair that spins, mm-hmm. your kid on, or you can spin, go out, you know, Spinning rounds, you know, helicopter spins. When we say mm-hmm. to our kids, don't do that. All the things we say to our kids, don't do that. Don't do that. You make yourself dizzy. That's the <laughs> That's point. <laughs> That's the point. They need to be dizzy. You know, <laughs> be dizzy. You know, the, um, anything that involves them, and, and particularly floor-based things. Okay. So anything that involves rolling around on the floor, anything that involves, um, you know, stuff that they use on their hands, because we didn't even touch on hand and foot reflexes mm-hmm. you know so so if you've got a kid who doesn't like to get their hands yeah, tactile you know, yeah yeah so that's it so you know anything that involves using their hands so clapping games uh cat's cradle do you have cat's cradle mm-hmm. over there with wool yeah so cat's mm-hmm. cradle putty mm-hmm. anything cooking you know cooking's amazing making mm-hmm. bread you know kneading the dough mm-hmm. getting their hands moving getting their palms with pressure on it's really great. All these things that were so natural back, that doesn't, not long ago, but it was just the way the world worked. And now we have removed so much of that because we have automated everything. And, yeah. or we have put these, what we call, feel our safety measures around our children. Yeah. And, and then we struggle with the after effects of that because now yeah. we're trying to figure out how do we give them back this ability to, to sit still, to focus, yeah. to whatever. You, you know, you accept that accidents happen. Go up the slide, you know. Yeah. My 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 mum for forty years ran a day nursery and it was attached to a, a an infant school so kind of three to five so she had mm-hmm. them she had them three to five so the school was five to seven and they had like a an activity trail so you climb up things and jump off things and balance on things and a kid fell off and broke his arm very sad for the kid what a shame but they closed it you know kids kids break things and then they get better you know right. Right. We we oh. need to be less risk averse. We need to accept that stuff happens and, and, and it's okay. You can't wrap your kids in cold wool because it doesn't help them. Right. It doesn't help them. It makes them anxious and it makes them unable to communicate and it makes them have problems building relationships. And then we try to quote unquote fix it, right? We're, and then we're, how do we make our kids be able to do all this stuff? Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing that's really important is that, is that, is that when we have babies and tiny, tiny newborn babies, we need to look at them. We need to look at our babies. So they look, look at us mm-hmm. because that helps to build their limbic system right at the beginning. That whole, you know, when you look at your baby and your pupils expand, 
your baby's pupils will expand to mimic that. And that is the first precursor to developing their limbic system. If you're with your baby, feeding your baby, and you're on your phone, don't look at your baby, then that process doesn't happen. And then that has implications for developing relationships right the way through. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, wow. little tiny babies, look at them, throw them in the air. <laughs> <laughs> throw them in the air. Throw them in the air. Leave them on their tummies, you know? Yeah, this is great advice. Thank you. <laughs> Whoa, well, these, this is really wonderful. And you have opened my mind. And I I definitely want to do more research. Do you have any books that you would suggest? Because I love or yes, I blogs or any of that that you might encourage people to pick up or listen to or read. Yes, I've just, I'm looking around because I've literally just got them all out. And now I don't know where I put them. Hold on a second. That's okay. So, um, so there's Disconnected Kids, okay. which is Dr. Robert Malelio, which is actually by my bed, which is why I haven't got it here. Okay. Um, so is that backwards? Beyond the Sea Squirt, yep, Moira Dempsey. So she's, uh, she's rhythmic movement training. Okay. Movements That Heal. This is an old cover. It's got a tree, I think, on the front now. Harold Blomberg and Moira Dempsey. That's okay. really good. Um, this is a very old book. Reflexes and Learning and Behaviour, Sally Goddard. Okay. So she's now Sally Goddard Blythe. She's written lots of books on reflexes. So, so you know, but you can you can put um, this, if you if you just go to your local bookshop mm-hmm. or another online bookshop <laughs> and put in primitive reflexes, lots and lots of things come up. Okay. And lots of things that are associated with them. So, um, yeah, there's, there's there's lots of things about hemispheric dominance. So, you know, if you're if you're right-handed, if you're right-handed, you want to be right-handed, right-footed, right-eyed, and right-eared. Lots of kids I see are right-handed but left-footed, mm-hmm. left-eared. So, you know, that has impact. So that's that's also something that's 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 worth looking at. Okay. There's lots of information out there. It's just getting it out there so that people know because you, you, I think you have to be looking for something and looking for something specifically to be able to find it. Mm-hmm. So, but the more we talk about it, the more we go, look, Hey, this is something that causes a huge problem, but actually can be relatively easy to sort out, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't matter if you've got a kid who's on medication, you can still do movements with them. Right. You no, know, it doesn't matter. You, it's not one or the other. Right. Well, well, thank you so much, Nikki. This was wonderful information. And I'm, I'm really excited. As I said before, I kind of did some research, but I was very, uh, it just didn't click, but it, it definitely did today. So I really good, thank you for good, joining good. me. I think sometimes it's trying to, it's trying to make it more relatable. Mm-hmm. I am in the process of doing an online course, lecture, webinar, mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it, just about primitive reflexes okay. that people will be able to buy and watch. And it's just about primitive reflexes, what they are, what the implications are, what they do, and there'll be a PDF to go with it. And How then can people find you? Would... Sorry? How can people find this and then find you? So I'm, my website is, is uh, www.organizedmind.co.uk, but it's organized with an S, not a Z, because I'm a Brit. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and on Facebook, I'm Organized Mind. And okay. and you'll know it's me because my logo is, um, do you know the, my 
I'm clearly a bit menopausal because my brain's gone. But you know that whole story about the dancer throwing starfish? Do you know that story? I don't. The man walking along the beach one morning and in the distance he sees a dancer dancing by the edge of the water. As he gets closer, he realises it's not a dancer, it's a little boy picking up starfish that have all washed up onto the beach mm. and he's throwing them back into the water. Mm. And he says to him, well, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm saving the starfish. And he said, you can't save them all. And he picked up a starfish and he threw it into the water and he said, save that one. Oh. oh. And I think that's really important. You know, we can't fix everybody. Right. But if we just fix one person, if we just help one person to live their life, mm-hmm. fulfill their potential, then who knows what difference that would make. So yeah. so, so that's how you'll find me is it's it's. it's somebody throwing a starfish back into the water. I love that. I love that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Nikki. This is such good information. So so, I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me on. And, and, and yeah, and if anybody wants to know anything, please get in touch and, you know, and, and point other people towards this stuff because mm-hmm. it is really life-changing stuff. Even if you just understand the whys, even if you go, okay, this person at work who does my head in because the, they get cross because I open the window, does it because they don't feel safe mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. It changes how you view them. You know, yeah. this kid who kicks the back of my chair all day, every day and does my head in mm-hmm. because he can't sit still. Mm-hmm. It changes, you know, it's a physiological, there's a physiological issue there. Can you imagine what a nicer world we'd live in if people could nice look world. at it that way? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We'll just be a bit kinder to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead. Tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh, and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way, imperfect parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey. 